Welcome to Learned Leg, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm George. And I'm Amanda. George and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 31 for George and season 27 for me. This is day six of season 99. First question asks us who was the author of Deep Sightings and Rescue Missions and Those Bones Are Not My Child, who shares a first name with Toni Morrison. Yeah, this one I did not have any clues about, really. Um, I searched around for writers that might be named Tony that I had heard of, or possibly Antonia, Antoinette. You know, I, I thought, you know, shares a first name. I don't know that whether Toni Morrison's name is a nickname or, or you know, just her name. Um, so I tried to think of just any that I could think of. I considered whether... Did I think like Maya Angelou had, had, because she had originally had a different name, as I recall, um, but she was still alive at the time that these things were published. It mentions 1996 and 99, and I was fairly certain she was still alive at that time. Um, and so given that these works are posthumous, it had to be someone who was, you know, alive maybe only until the early 90s, um, and then would have been someone of, you know, the, the kind of uh, thinker that would befriend someone like Toni Morrison. Um, and honestly, that was kind of before I had much consciousness of these things, you know, that I was a teenager or a college student, and that was not where I had, um, you know, explored culture very much. So uh, I ended up putting down Wilson just because I had a vague sense of that might be a good name to guess, um, but not for any real reason. It just sounded like it could go with Tony or Antonia. Uh, so this is one that I, A, didn't know, and B, completely dorked up. Mm. Because I was also trying to think of anyone, you know, Tony something, mm -hmm. Antonia something, Antoinette something. And so what I ended up doing was I put just Antonia in the box. I said, okay, I'm going to come to this later. Uh -huh. I'll come back to it later. Uh, and I did not come back to it later. So my official <laughs> submitted answer was Antonia. Oh, darn. That's it. Oh, shoot. Like Sapphire, I guess. Mm -hmm. One named author. So. Well, as it works out, the correct answer was Tony Cade Bambara, who I have never heard of. Yeah, I never would have gotten it. If I'm being honest. So as I put probably my most thought into that one for the least result. Yeah. Question two asks us uh, what uh, country was effectively uh, made independent by the 1895 Treaty of Shimonoseki. So to me, Shimonoseki sounds Japanese. Mm -hmm. So I figure, okay, it's got to be something that Japan would be interested in. Mm. Uh, and uh, <coughs> now initially I put Hong Kong. Ah. Because I thought 1895 sounded about Maybe when that was kind of done, and maybe Japan was like, uh, you know, serving as an intermediary between China and the UK, mm. who had Hong Kong for another hundred years after this or thereabouts. Sure. Um, but that that just didn't didn't ring for me. And also, former tributary state. Well, it's now <laughs> again a tributary state. Yeah. And I don't know what the, you would call it a state necessarily. Mm. So that also peeled. Rejecting Hong Kong for that also pulled me off of Taiwan. Okay, and obviously, sure. you know, <laughs> according to China, not at all independent. So, mm. 
So I thought, well, uh, Korea, which I know was sort of fought over by both China and Japan uh, over the next you know, half century as well. Um, mm-hmm. So for lack of anything better, and briefly Manchuria came into mind, mm. but then I thought, no, that also, I don't know, that was ever independent from China via treaty, like it was conquered oh. mm-hmm. um, at least once you know, after 1895 by somebody, not China, but that wouldn't count. So uh, I just, I, I kept coming back to Korea and thinking that makes sense. That is, that is now an independent. It was formerly tributary to China. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. So I'll go with Korea and be happy. I mean, I had not nearly the amount of thought process uh, that you were describing, but a similar line of thinking, you know, sounding like somewhere in East Asia, um, you know, China, Japan influences. Uh, what I seized upon uh, was the Treaty of Maguan, which I thought that sounds vaguely like it could be Filipino or Tagalog. And I thought, um, you know, do I know when the Philippines became independent? Were they a former tributary state of China? I don't know, but it sounds really plausible because of the name of that treaty sounds like it could have been an island in the Philippines, let's say, mm-hmm. or something like that. So, um, I put down the Philippines cause I really didn't have another in into this precisely. I, I should have thought through the way you did, but, um, um, it did not occur to me to kind of triangulate it quite that way. So I put down Philippines. Well, but it was Korea. Well done. Question three asks us for a Bach work uh, on stringed keyboard uh, that has 24 sonatas in all the keys. It's compared to L'Alphabet de la Musique, which does. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of detail about... Uh, uh, classical music that is or is not uh, as good as Bach's, I guess, <laughs> in this question. And uh, really, I had to go through and kind of think, like, what suites of music do I know of by Bach? Like, I know the Brandenburg concertos, but those are not for stringed keyboard pieces. They're like an orchestra. Um, and so it took me a while to kind of let that simmer because... I knew that something about this phrase stringed keyboard pieces mm-hmm. was the the key to, uh, so to speak, figuring this one out. Um, and finally, I was kind of like, well, I, I should start thinking through what these might be. There's pianos, harpsichords. Um, and somehow that that area of thinking in my brain finally connected. Oh, this is the well-tempered clavier, or I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly but that's mm-hmm. how i as an un, uneducated ish american um would pronounce it uh c-l-a-v-i-e-r um i think i probably played a little bit of this over the course of taking piano lessons as a kid so that probably helped um uh, help me think of this possibility for the answer um but once i seized on that i thought yeah that sounds right this is probably you know, when you're talking about contains music in all keys, um, then, you know, you need something that's well-tuned, I suppose, to be able to play those and distinguish them and make them sound good. So 
um, with, I don't think I articulated that in my head that well when I <laughs> put down <laughs> my answer. Um, but that's kind of, I think how the, the cloud storage in my head was, um, coming up with it through the magic of non-artificial intelligence. So I put down the well-tempered clavier. I have heard of the well-tempered clavier, but not enough that it was in my head. Um, mm. I, as I was trying to think of stringed keyboard instruments, mm. I kind of, I did, I think maybe think of clavier at some point, but the well-tempered part just wasn't there. It wasn't uh, going to happen. Okay. Uh, so I finally kind of had to flip a coin between like box piano variations or box harpsichord variations. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, uh, I, I feel like Bach was relatively early in the evolution of the piano. And so might have been more of a harpsichord dude, or at least might have been more of one for the purposes of this thing. Mm -hmm. Just to see, like, you know, if there's a well-established instrument, I'm going to fiddle around with it. Uh, so I finally just said harpsichord variations. Okay. It was the well-tempered clavier. Um, for all of you who are classical music aficionados and know how that is pronounced, I apologize for abusing your ears with it. Um, but, hey, at least I spelled it right. Uh, question four, a question near and dear to my heart. Right down the groove, yep. Oh, my goodness. Uh, asks us to name uh, a product that was produced by the fictional Wacky Products Incorporated and uh, should not be touched, inhaled, or looked at um, and has a three-word name. Uh, it, one of those great SNL commercials from the, I want to say early 90s. I think I was in college mm. when this one first hit, and it was huge. It was absolutely gigantic in the day. And the had this long... Uh, Excuse me. Had this long disclaimer at the end and that ended with do not taunt happy fun ball. Yes. And so it was happy fun ball, of course. Yeah, same here. Um, it really definitely one of SNL's perennial strengths is those uh, parody advertisements. And so the question reminds us of Colon Blow, the Love Toilet, Mom Jeans, and this uh, toy in question, which, yeah, this. This one was a really interesting one to score because I think it is... I also put down Happy Fun Ball. And if there is a nerd alive who lived through that era of the late 80s, early 90s, who has not made a do not taunt Happy Fun Ball joke, I've yet to meet them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I kind of had to throw a lot of people's stats out the window for this one. Because um, I definitely knew it cold, and I also put that down. And that was correct. <coughs> Sorry about the coughing all. Question five uh, asks us, what bridge is being built across the Detroit River, named after a sports hero? This is the Gordie Howe Bridge. Um, this is, you know... Hi, everybody. We're here coming to you from a Detroit suburb. So um, this is uh, very much a gimme for us and probably the opposite scoring problem uh, with um, the previous question where it is, you know, a, a, a one that is familiar to us very much. But like, uh, can we expect that to be the case outside of 
the Detroit metro area or Michigan. Um, and so I, you know, again, knew this for certain that it was Gordie Howe because um, it's it's in the news with some frequency. And so it's one where proximity to Michigan and likelihood to know about hockey versus other types of sports kind of you have to again temper your view of someone's uh games and sport knowledge you know based on that because this is almost more of a current events question as far as if you're going to have heard of it or you know it's it's not something that i feel like uh elevates beyond local news very often so um uh, with all that said, I did know that this was Gordy Howe. I put down Howe just because it's quicker and less uh, chance for making a weird mistake. Sure. Uh, so I made a weird mistake. Oh no! Uh, in that this is this is in the news a lot. It has not been for a little while though. There hasn't really been anything no, the, significant yeah. going on with the bridge, so True. it's fallen out of my active memory. I don't. Uh, I have never followed hockey. Specifically, mm. I've picked things up about it. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, one of the things I picked up was that this bridge was named after uh, someone with a three-syllable name. <laughs> uh, the first name is a two-syllable uh, ending in an E sound. It's a familiar. And the last name has an O sound. So I immediately said, oh, this is Bobby Orr. Yeah. And moved on with my day. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Too much crossword puzzle playing mm. for you, perhaps. Uh but it was Gordy Howe. Yeah. Uh, finally, question six asks us, uh, what movie takes place at the fictional 125 West 9th Street apartment building in Manhattan's Greenwich Village and is based on a story called It Had to Be Murder? And it notes that it is the only setting. Yes. Which is what gave it away for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the only setting because it's essentially a filmed stage play with Jimmy Stewart having recently broken a leg or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's confined to his apartment and is looking out at the other apartments across the, I don't know whether it's the air shaft, the alley, courtyard, the courtyard, yeah. the, the street, witnesses what he believes to be a murder, has to convince people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that, that fits in with the title. It had to be a murder. And yeah, this just all lines up for rear window for me. Same. Um, yeah, this one I was very delighted to kind of have sussed it out. Um, perhaps that means it's easier than I think it is. I don't know. Um, this one is one that's such a pure film question, really, um, that you kind of have to have heard of Rear Window and know a little precy of the plot to um, to pick it out of a lineup, I mm -hmm. guess I would say. Yeah. Um, and so... It, you know, but just like you said, I, I do know that much about it. I don't think I've seen the whole thing all the way through, classic mm. though it is. Um, and I do remember it was um, it being on TV when I was a kid. Uh, I know it was a favorite of my parents and that it, um, uh, I think it would have been on like Turner Classic Movies or something like that. Oh, I, I would imagine. Possibly it was restored, you know, uh, when I was growing up because I remember seeing it, you know, bits and pieces of it on TV at, at the house when I was growing up. Um, and so, you know, that is kind of just enough to really 
uh, fix it in my head that, you know, much like you said, it's, you know, Jimmy Stewart is seeing this uh, uh, apparently act of crime happening in the apartment window kind of across from his. Um, and that title of the story being It Had to Be Murder is, suggests very much, you know, his thinking about that incident. Well, it had to be murder. It couldn't, you know, uh, just based on the, the facts that he knows about what happened. So um, I also knew that this was Rear Window, a title that I think confused me for a long time because when you say Rear Window, I think of an automobile. Sure. Like the, the rear windshield mm -hmm. or yeah. um, something like that, or the rear view mirror. Um, and so I always have to remind myself, yeah, it's not taking place in a car. It's the back window of these two apartments that you can see into. Um, so that's what I put down as well. Well done. Thank you. Uh, I had three on the day. Oof. Just, you know, stuff didn't land for me. Well, I was all the way up to four. Um, you know, I, I do wish I'd had your line of thinking about uh, Korea. And also, uh, given that the first question was there somebody I've never heard of and would mm -hmm. never have uh, been able to guess. I do wish I'd gone with my um, uh, best wrong answer, you know, potential nominee of Tony Corgesson Boyle, um, which would have been a TCB, which would have been kind of amazing to actually <laughs> connect to the real question. Um, but uh, sadly, uh, I'm just competitive enough that I, I couldn't... Uh, well, I sort of didn't remember to do that because I, I always try to actually answer the questions if there's any possibility that I might, you know, pick the right thing uh, out of the ether. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, I don't feel too bad about the four that I got in that they were things like classical music and something that's very sports adjacent. So uh, I don't know if people will look at my location and go, well... That's not going to knock that down to a one pointer instead of three, but um, at least there's some hope for a, a chance here. We can hope. Well, that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post game analysis. Follow us on Blue Sky at Learned Lag with all the vowels. And remember don't forfeit, don't cheat. <laughs>